Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I am... So excited about our next speaker because I've been binging on her video content, uh, especially her TED talk uh, about singing. Mm. And uh, I am so excited to uh, bring her to the stage. So Tanya de Jong, AM, is a trailblazing Australian soprano, award-winning social entrepreneur, creative innovation catalyst, spiritual journey woman, storyteller and global speaker. Tanya is one of Australia's most successful female entrepreneurs and innovators, developing five businesses and three charities over the past three decades, including Creative Universe, Creativity Australia, and with one voice, Creative Innovation Global, Mind Medicine Australia, Dimension 5, MTA Entertainment and Events, Potpourri, and the song room, it just keeps going. <laughs> and uh, Tanya's TED Talk, How Singing Together Changes the Brain, has sparked international interest. And Tanya's mission is to change the world one voice at a time. Thank you so much, Tanya and Amrit. Let's give them a warm welcome. <laughs> so listening to that laundry list of things you're accused of... <laughs> 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 You're not creative at all. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about creativity. Creativity. Mm. Yeah, look, it's one of those um, interesting words because people always say to me, what is the difference between creativity and innovation in particular? So all of us are creative. Is there anyone in this room actually at the moment who doesn't think that they're creative? Just put your hand up if you think that you're not creative. There's a lady at the back, yeah. Well, j just come up for a moment, actually, if you don't mind. Sorry about this, but <laughs> come on. It's a reward for putting your hand up. Give her a clap. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Oh, there was another lady there too. Oh, she got it. That's right. Tell me your tell me your name. Uh, uh, Brittany. Brittany. And why don't you think you're creative? I don't know. I just I just can't think of any way that I'm creative. I think I like I don't really think I'm a very like interesting or like imaginative person I guess and, and tell, me, tell me what you do um I just um this week uh finished my occupational therapy degree right and do you solve a lot of problems um I I don't know I get for other people and do you help them a lot yeah, right. Is Brittany creative, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank you, Brittany. You can sit down now. <laughs> so one of the one of the mistakes that I think a lot of people make is they think that creativity is about the arts. Mm. You know, that it's about painting or drawing or doing ballet or something like that. And look, all of us have that capability, but creativity is also about solving problems and I think everyone in this room like we're all leaders here that's why we're here getting getting hacked and getting high is because we actually want to do something in the world and we want to create um, and contribute to this world and we want a life of meaning and purpose that's why we're probably all here today yeah so all of us are creative solving problems now innovation is the next part of that stage so creativity coming up with lots of different ideas solving problems and then innovation is turning those ideas into something of value which doesn't have to be of commercial value it could be of social value and social value is exactly what we need right now in a world of increasing social and economic problems so Anyway. Yeah, that segues totally into like social enterprise and a lot of the stuff that's going on. Yeah. I, I really love what you're sharing because the journey of the Inspired Evolution, just to, it's not about me, but um, I was on the journey like where the podcast started was I was in corporate nine to five working as an engineer for a really long time, right? And I realized that I'd indoctrinated myself to becoming an engineer and I, like Brittany, thought I wasn't creative. I was like, I'm a numbers person, physics, right? And um, that kind of I saw that there was all these people that were speakers thought leaders and people that were living in a space that really inspired me when I went to see these people they created such a shift inside me that I was like these people are, are creative and I went on the journey of okay I'm going to create a podcast what's it about and the podcast is about me basically interviewing creatives and entrepreneurs so that I can tap into living a, a creative life as an entrepreneur and I just want to flag that one thing I commonly find myself saying is that I don't see them as being any different, like a creative and an entrepreneur. Oh, absolutely. They're the same thing, right? You, as an entrepreneur, you just got creative about how you made your money. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, like, that's legitimately all it is. It's like you're still a creative, yeah? Yeah, and that question, you know, that we can all ask, what, what, is, what could be happening that's not happening right now, that what-if question? I, I, did, would you like me to just tell everyone a little bit about my grandmother? Sure. Yeah, so my grandmother um, was was an incredibly creative person. She was an artist back in the 1920s and she lived in Vienna. Her and my grandfather were Polish emigres who'd come to study with the great sculpture teacher Anton Hanak. He was a contemporary of Egon Schiele and Gustav Klimt. So you can imagine Vienna in the 1920s, right, the beautiful architecture 
the buildings. Very polished. The community was very loving and friendly between the the two wars there. And um, my grandmother and grandfather fell in love as young art students and one particularly rainy Sunday, like today actually, mm. <laughs> my grandmother was walking along she said to my grandfather, you know, what if someone was to invent a little umbrella? I'm always leaving my umbrella behind, my big tall umbrella behind in the cloakroom. And what if someone was to make an umbrella to fit in a handbag? And she said, let's keep this a secret between us. And so they kept it a secret and my grandmother went round, you know, the old lampshades that there used to be with all the spokes. And she went round all the shops in Vienna getting the old spokes of the lampshades. And she tried and failed with her idea many times. And I like to think of fail as first attempt in learning because you can see my grandmother's notes. You know, I tried this today. It didn't work. But tomorrow I'm going to try this. So she never gave up. And that really is the secret of entrepreneurship and creativity is going through that fear of failure. So she tried and failed with her idea for about six months. We have her working notes. And then in September 1929, she invented the very first foldable umbrella, which is called the Flirt, <laughs> which I think is a really cute name for a little umbrella. And it was patented um, and and manufactured for the next 10 years in an Austrian factory. It's still actually manufactured in that same fa um, factory today. But in 1939, the Nazis came into Vienna and my family is Jewish. And I don't have time to tell you today the full story of what happened to them. But, of course, I'm very lucky to be here today at all because most of the rest of my family were taken away and perished during the Holocaust. So what happened was when she managed to escape to Switzerland, the German authorities contacted her and said, Mrs. Dordick, we believe you have the first foldable umbrella patent. We'd like to buy it from you. Well, my mum was only three months old at the time, so she had no choice but to sell her patent. And, of course, we were never to see um, another sent from that invention, which is why I have to work today. No, no. <laughs> but, um, well, it's good. It made you creative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she still does hold the patent. So if you look in the, in the Global Patent Registry, you'll see my grandmother, Slava Horowitz, and you'll see that she holds the patent in, in a number of European countries for the foldable umbrella. And some of you probably, who's got an umbrella here today? Right, there you go. We'll just think of Nana. I'm one sure it's foldable. In Melbourne, only one person carried a... <laughs> wow. <laughs> so fail, fail, first attempt in learning. You know, none of us have ever succeeded at anything without failing, failing multiple times, right, Emre? I think that's a really beautiful, beautiful thing that you're sharing in terms of... For a long time, I've been exposed to this idea that failure does actually like lead to success everyone's like fail better fail harder keep failing and like the hippie in me is like but i don't want to call failure in like that just sounds stupid um but i'm really in a place at the moment where i'm really it's taken about three years of sitting with this and really coming to realize that actually those are my best lessons yeah. I'm definitely not inviting it in still got some work to do in around there but um in terms of oh that's where i pardon my french ate some shit um that's really where i learned how to not do that again you know um and yeah there's some there's some real sweet medicine in there our greatest learning is when we you know have the hardest times as mm. you know have has been talked about today it's when you hit that wall you feel that terrible sense of anxiety am i good enough has anyone in this room ever felt they're not good enough hands up 
right? <laughs> you know, and we're all here today and and we've all pushed through that and every time you hit that wall, that's an opportunity for growth, a huge opportunity. Right. So is failure intrinsic to the creative process? Is this... Yeah, I believe the failure is totally intrinsic to the creative process. Right. You know, okay. a bit where you go, I'm rubbish, this is shit, <laughs> it's never going to get any better and... You know, that's where some entrepreneurs do and, and others give up. Mm. But it's if we just push through, the gold is on the other side. I don't just mean monetary gold, by the way. Gold in growth, self-growth. Yeah, I think it's really potent coming from you, especially with the amount of work you've put into your voice and singing and hearing that, like, firsthand that failure is such an intrinsic part to really developing and honing on your craft. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and, and I was told that I should never bother to have singing lessons. So just very briefly, when I was 14, I wanted to have singing lessons and my best girlfriend started having lessons and I was a pretty busy kid, lots going on. And I went round to her house after school one day and said, can I learn the song that she'd been learning at singing? Because I was really jealous that she was having singing lessons. I wasn't. So... She could play the piano and, and we sang the song that she'd been learning a few times over and then she said, I'll play the piano, you sing on your own. She played, I sang, and at the end of the song she said, Tanya, you should never bother having singing lessons, you're not good enough. When I was 14, I believed her. Who got told stuff like that? Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Right, not about singing, could be about creativity, could be about anything. And so then I did backstage in the school musical because I thought, well, at least I can do the props. And then finally in year 11, I auditioned for the chorus of the musical Oklahoma and to my amazement I got the lead role. And that was really a defining moment in my life and I realised that you should never let anyone snatch your dream away. If you really want to do something, yeah. we talked about this already a lot this morning, just go and do it. Mm. Yeah. Don't let anyone snatch your dream away. <laughs> I think that's really potent. And just to flag, like one of the things I've learned on the Inspired Evolution is that our biggest challenges always form our biggest gifts. The two people that I noticed put their hands up when people said, who's been told they, they don't sing or they're both creative, are the two people that are actually running a sound journey this evening for us in Get High. So, you know, these challenges are real, you know, and having to bust through them and then the blessings that await us on the other side is is totally amazing. There's another piece to creativity which I'm not going to be able to do it justice, so I can't wait for you to talk about it, is uh, this whole idea around random collisions. How do you describe oh, Positive it? human collisions. Oh. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we tend to hang out with people who are just like us, right? 
dress like us, similar educational backgrounds, think like us, um, similar financial backgrounds often. Yeah, would you agree? Mm. Yo, 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 let's make a bit of noise here. <laughs> and But our greatest gains as human beings are when we connect with people who are really different from us. And Steve Jobs famously said, creativity is simply just connecting the dots. But you can only connect the dots when you've got a bit of a creative toolbox. And how do you get that toolbox? You have a set of rich life experiences. You get that set of life experiences through connecting with people who are very different from you, who challenge you, who maybe disagree with you, who, boy, do they make you feel uncomfortable. But it's in that moment when you experience what's called creative abrasion and you feel that discomfort that really true creativity and innovation can spark. And I like to call that positive human collisions. And one of the things I'd love to do today is challenge each of you. You've probably maybe come with a friend or something like that, mm. but I want to challenge you each to, in the breaks, connect with two or three people that you haven't met before. Connect with an alien. And you'll find out just how much we have in common with one another. But also, in that moment of connection, who knows what collaboration might occur? Who knows what new enterprise or new activity you're going to create with that person who you've never met before. So can I challenge you all? Will you take that up in the in the lunch break? Can I get yeah? a you for the challenge accepted? Big yo. <laughs> <laughs> so in that, you're speaking to diversity, which yeah. I think is, yeah, it's obviously growing up Indian and Western culture speaks to me really deeply. But I think um, one thing that I've noticed, especially with the world of social media, and I know that I'm just like harping a, a horn that everybody's tooting at the moment, um, which is that we end up being a little bit, and this is what you're articulating, in our own little self-affirming bubble, right? Like I'm, I'm even here at Get High, like we're all of a certain inclination. We want to all get high on our own supply, right? Um, we're not out hitting the booze and we're just looking for good, clean fun. So we're a certain type of people. What it can be challenging. Like in some part, some one level in today's society, it's really hard to find our own tribe. Yeah. Yeah. But then on the same token, you're also encouraging us to then find people that are outside of our tribe to also encourage a certain mindset or? Yeah. So it is like we're all looking for our tribe. In a sense, there's a tribe here because we are all here, mm. you know, embracing today and we obviously all believe in in what in a path of personal growth. But stepping beyond that to people who are, for example, less fortunate than you um, is particularly beneficial. So I think all of us in this room are, are probably included. Would you agree that most of you are included in society, you've got homes and probably most of you have jobs, yeah? But, you know, like reaching out beyond you to people who are less fortunate, there's incredible gift in that. Um, by reaching out a hand, building a bridge with people who are less fortunate than you and actually being able to help them. Because it's amazing, like the tiniest little bit of help for someone who's less fortunate than you can change their lives. And, and I've done that particularly through my With One Voice Choirs program. So we have these choirs where we connect people like all of us in this room, haves with have-nots, people who are migrants, job seekers, people with depression and disabilities who are alone and isolated. We have this massive crisis of loneliness and depression and social isolation, which we've talked about. And by reaching out to people who are less fortunate in these choirs, we come together about 50-50, so 50% haves, 
50% have nots. We sing together, but we also have a wish list. Mm. And through the wish list, people in our choirs can make wishes to one another for what they need in life, which could be, you know, help with accommodation, finding a friend, someone to walk to the station with, help them get a job, help with their resume. And people put up their hands in the choirs to help people with their wishes. And by the way, not only unfortunate or disadvantaged people have wishes, we all need stuff. You know, we might need someone to mow our lawn or mind our house or walk our dog. So in the choirs, we've had more than 3,500 wishes granted across all our choirs around Australia. We have 25 choirs in seven states around Australia, which are much more than choirs. Yeah, we sing together, we share supper, and we help make people's wishes come true, and we connect people to one another who would have never thought that they'd be friends. So, yeah, we need this tribe, but outside of our tribe, we can make friends with really diverse people. And if you look at the people that come to my house, they're not all like me. They're so different. They're all different ages, and that's another gift, mm. is going beyond generations and, mm. and really doing that, you know, reverse mentoring that all of us can learn from people younger than us and older than us and create amazing communities that are really diverse. And I just, I guess I urge people to just go outside their own tribe and connect to other tribes and build bridges, not walls and boxes. We all tend to have so many walls and boxes um, between us as human beings, walls around our heart. We're looking at boxes all the time, our phone, our screens. You know, we're buying little boxes from the supermarket. We're always having to tick boxes on forms and stuff like that. But building those bridges, going beyond the boxes, is is huge. I love that. I love how it encourages both openness and also can, you know, I can see how it can cultivate a level of resilience as well, this whole yeah. idea of building community beyond what is into diversity. So one of the things you talked about singing, which I loved this when you shared this in your TED Talk, by the way, guys, check out the TED Talk, amazing. So in there, you mentioned that singing actually had a biological evolutionary advantage. Who here likes singing? Yeah. <laughs> love this group. Yeah. Oh, my God, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in good company. Uh, and for those that don't, well, Tanya's here, so by the end of the day, you're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, tell us, like, can you, t- can you unpack yeah. that for us? Yeah, so... So tribes have sung and danced together to, to build strength and ward off their enemies since, you know, time immemorial. And if you go to places like in the South Pacific or Africa, you see tribes singing and dancing together. But we somehow in the West have become really precious about this, like mm. unless we're really good and well, then we don't sing in front of other people. We just sing in the in the shower or in the car or something. But the research shows that when we sing with other people, we literally become smarter, healthier, happier, more creative. Our memory, language and concentration improves. Our brains become neuroplastic. Our neural pathways start to connect in new and different ways and it literally gets us high. So it takes us into a mind-altered state and when we sing with other people, we get into this right-brained headset, I guess, call it right brain, creative side of our brains, which is the create the right side of our brain is the is our human battery charger. It's responsible for our creativity, intuition, imagination. It connects us to one another and all that is. But unfortunately we spend about 85% of the time in the left side of our brains being overwhelmed by too much information. Who feels overwhelmed by all the 
info, yeah, and all the devices and all the stuff coming at us. And we're literally draining our batteries. So we have to renew our batteries by getting in the right creative side of our brains. And there's lots of ways to do that. Singing is one, meditation is another, walking our dogs, um, cuddling our loved ones, going into nature. And, you know, another one that I'm particularly passionate about is plant medicine. So plant medicine, while not legal, I still feel like I've started a charity with my husband who's here today called Mind Medicine Australia. And it's really important for us all to connect back to ancient wisdom, plant medicine, singing wisdom, you know, all these different kinds of intelligences so that we can raise our consciousness collectively to solve these growing challenges that we're facing. Yeah, I really love what you're sharing there in terms of like the ancient wisdom and what's precipitating for me is like what is natural is... Yeah, what is natural is high and hacked. Is always, yeah, yeah, is what's best for us, you know, it's like this whole conversation. If you want to get hacked and get high... Do all find, the natural stuff. Find all the natural Plants, things. Plants, singing, loving. Go to bed when, when the sun goes down. You know, and it's like, what is life telling you? You're feeling uncomfortable? We'll get back into alignment and swim in the lane that you know you were you were meant to. So, yeah. yeah, I find that that really poetic, and it reaffirms like one of the standpoints I have on life is that we are just the universe looking in on ourselves. We are just the universe looking in on ourselves, right? Yeah. We're folded but, in, and yeah. so I feel like curiosity is innate to this human experience, right? But what are we here? Like the universe universe is created and we're here to create because we're the mirrors of the universe or whatever you want to call it, right? So the creativity is innate to this human experience. And I find it, yeah, even like um, Brittany, when she was saying, look, I'm an, I'm an ox therapist, you know, it's like, yeah, but you created that life, right? Like you went out of your way to going, hey, I'm going to choose this. I'm going to go do that. And then I'm going to, you know, like figure this out. These are going to be my friends. This is what I'm going to wear to get hacked and get high. You know, there's all those little pockets in there. I think that's really amazing. In terms of expressing creativity, you got a song for us? Am I what? You got a song for us? A song. Would you like a song? Yeah. <laughs> Come on again. Do we want a song? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, look, just a little um, intro before I do this song then. Um, Ash, I'll give you a cue in a sec, but just not quite yet. So I think that um, for all of us, we often search for love and learning and healing outside of ourselves, right? We're searching externally quite often, but the greatest gift is, is going inwards and finding that place within us where everything is possible, which is what you said, turning in to ourselves because we have everything we need and we can create anything that we can visualise. So in this song, I'm going to encourage you at the start to close your eyes and listen to the lyrics and also to find that place within yourself of forgiveness because a lot of us, you know, we, we, we feel shame or embarrassment about a whole lot of things in our lives but actually if we forgive ourselves and forgive the people who perhaps have wronged us, then we can go into that place of full heart-centeredness. So I want you to do that. But then at a certain point in this song, I'm going to ask you to join hands with the people all around you so we can create this human bridge because it's through this human bridge coming together as a community, as a tribe, that we can create power and we can step up and we can meet the challenges that, that are facing us as a community. So I'm going to hold hands with you and everyone else around us. But so we can hit the track now, my friend. And... Um, We'll um, go into this space. 
So if you go into that place of meditation and stillness and connect deep within yourself and you'll find that place of learning and caring and loving and sharing and forgiveness that lies deep within. someone in the room, holding hands, holding hands, joining hands. Evolution back to getting hacked with Tanya DeJong. Tanya, it is such a treat to be here for round. Is this round two? For those tuning in, you're listening to this in a long sequential piece, but this is actually round two. Welcome back. Thank you, Amrit. And just as an honor back to, you know, for those perhaps tuning in halfway through the episode, um, again, pardon me for the chop suey nature of this. Tanya is an inspirational speaker, singer, businesswoman, and social entrepreneur, loving her social entrepreneur ventures. And she's founded a number of successful businesses. So it's great to have you back. Um, quick refresher. We've been talking a little bit about diversity and a little bit about creativity. A big reason why I was excited to have you back was because 
we had like a five minute chat about creativity and I just don't think that does you any service or any justice knowing how creative you really are and how much it really means to you. So great to have you back. How are you? Good. It's an honor. Uh Absolutely. (laughs) Pleasure is mine. So we were talking a little bit just before we got started um, in terms of, you know, the importance of like creativity and then like how that potentially weaves in with um, mental health awareness and stuff like that. So one of the key things I wanted to just, you know, like let's hit the ground sort of running. One of the biggest uh, challenges in my life that I've had was that um, I struggled with depression for six years, right? And that depression over time, you know, and this links in well to the first part of the episode because we actually talked about how our greatest challenges form our greatest gifts. Um, And in that I was talking, so now like just sharing that the biggest challenge being depression for me and then learning how to learn and navigate my way through that and how mindfulness has really helped and meditation has completely reconstituted my life. Existential philosophy from that point, wisdom has helped me reconstitute my whole life to live in. And I touch wood feel very happy (laughs) inside, you know, and depression is like this like thing that is now in my past. Now, I'm very grateful that it's in my past, but one of the things that I learned along the way about depression was actually when I was depressed, I was keeping to myself, I was locking down and I was actually deep, like the energy was like to depress, like to push down and then using like actually realizing that, oh no, I need to express, like I actually, that's just the opposite of my depression in many ways is just the expression. Can I learn to express? Can I learn to connect? Can I learn to share? Can I learn to say my piece? Because I remember I was so trapped and so alone in feeling that actually this is how I feel. And in some ways I thought that's how the whole world felt at the same time when I was depressed. You know, I thought like everybody was running around trapped in their own mind, in their own being, in their own spirit, not really being able to communicate, you know, what was going on to the rest of the world just because, and I thought that was everybody's battle and that I was somehow alone in having my own battle but then at the same time, everybody else had their own battle. So that was normal until I went and got diagnosed with depression. They were like, actually, it's not entirely normal, (laughs) but then normal is a whole nother conversation. So the space for creativity and how it can help with mental health illness, I think is a really yummy pocket to have a conversation. Mm Yeah. Yeah. I mean, go on. I was going to ask you how, how did this first become your part of your awareness that mental health aware, like mental health, and creativity are like interlinked and interwoven? Because I think I've always been a a very creative person. So I've used expression um, to really help get me through a lot of life's obstacles. Mm. Uh, So whether that's, you know, breakup of a relationship or the passing of someone you deeply care about or a lot of change. And change, let's face it, is, is the only game in town. Mm. And we all have to be able to be resilient enough to manage constant ups and downs and curveballs that get sent in our direction. So that ability to pivot, uh, to change direction when you realise that things are not working how you thought they were going to work, but also that ability to cope with, with failure. So I think I might have mentioned in our first conversation that I like to think of fail as first attempt in learning. (laughs) I love that. That is so bad. I'm stealing that. That is so good. (laughs) Yeah. So, and I think, I I think I did talk about my grandmother who invented the very first foldable umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. And she really went through, you know, trying and failing, trying and failing many times with her invention. But 
essentially, you know, when you're feeling down and your energy is, is flat um, and you're really in, in, in a lower energy, in a lower vibration. And so it's incredibly important then to start using your creative voice in whatever ways. And we all have a creative voice. I mean, there's lots of people who think that they're not creative, but in fact, we were all born creative. You know, Picasso famously said we're all born as artists. Mm. The challenge is to remain as artists as we grow up because there's so many things in our environment that oppress us and compress us and push our energies down. Depress them down. Yeah, so yeah, that's right. So our greatest challenge in a way and the greatest opportunity is to raise our energy and our consciousness so that we can actually learn to express ourselves and find our true voice because all of us have a creative voice and all of us have a unique voice that matters in the global conversation. Mm. And so here we are, we're living in this time where loneliness and social isolation and depression are considered the global epidemic of our times. Mm. There are more and more people who feel like their voices don't matter, um, who feel depressed by all of the different social and economic challenges which are hitting us in every kind of, of way. And then not only, and combined with that, we also have this, these four other things that are really making life very tough and they are, you know, the pace and accelerating technology. So the pace of change, the acceleration of technology, mm-hmm. which are just frightening in their own ways. There's, there's opportunities as part of those new technologies, but they also are so fast that a lot of people can't keep up with the change. Well, we're actually not anticipated to keep up with the change, right? Because no. they were mapping the growth of uh, technology and it actually fits an exponential curve to That's a T. Right. So it's actually perfectly That's exponential. Right. But the challenge all that they're having way. is, yeah, it goes all yeah. the way up to an asymptote at 2027. And now they're That's having to right. hypothesize what it means at 2027. And some of the greatest That's minds and I are now thinking that perhaps this is where our consciousness melts with artificial intelligence. That's I really right. don't know the answer, no. well, but these like are some of the theories. Like, well, like Ray Kurzweil, for example, oh, has always said, yeah. yeah, you know, that in 2029, 2029 that will, mm. the singularity will occur where basically, you know, technological intelligence will exceed human intelligence at that point will will merge with technology so that in itself is is certainly a challenge for for humanity and then (laughs) talk about staying dynamic (laughs) yeah i get it and then when you add to that um you know uncertainty around the future of work so Mm. a lot of people you know feel like, well, is my job even going to exist? You know, what am I going to do? Um, how am I going to support my family? And, you know, we're seeing a lot of people who are in their late 40s, 50s, who already are starting to feel, well, not only are they are being made redundant, they're, they're starting to feel redundant. And mm. then itself creates depression and anxiety. Mm. Then you combine that with climate anxiety. So we're seeing you know, children as young as 8 to 10 who are actually experiencing climate anxiety. Some of them are being therefore medicated with antidepressants and other, you know, Western medicines. Yeah. Now, for, for a young developing brain, that is a, a, an enormous challenge. You then combine that with um, 
social media so that, you know, many people, you know, live their lives on social media and they're portraying elements of their life yep. that, is, that is not actually real, right? Nasty. So they're putting up, yeah, they're putting on social media what they want the world to see about them, which would mm. be, you know, how beautiful they are or the holidays they're on or that they're very happy and, and, and they've got lots of friends and lots of material possessions and all these sorts of things. But actually underneath it all, many of those people are actually very sad and depressed and lonely inside. Mm. And so that's only one form of expression. It's not the full, you know, expression of a human being. There's, we all have so many facets mm. and we have a rich tapestry and it's natural for a human being anyway to go up and down and, and to, to, to experience all these different emotions. And unfortunately what happens, of course, as you know, when you experience depression, um, you know, you're often then given medications that actually dampen those emotions. So they actually flatten the emotional spectrum. But that doesn't necessarily allow you to live as an emotional human being, which is essentially what we are. Like we're not just flat and one-dimensional. You know, we Definitely have many not. dimensions. <laughs> yeah. And so we need to actually be able and allowed to experience those different dimensions that make us truly human. And if we're given substances that flatten our emotions, then we're going to remain in our lower energies. Mm. That means it's going to be very hard for us to actually express ourselves because when we're flattened out, it's hard for us to actually experience the highs and the lows. And actually it's often the lows that create for many people the greatest creativity, that inspire that creativity. If you think about it, you know, many of the great songs that have been written and other works of art have been created from a feeling of depression and sadness. Mm. And that's where we often find our true creativity resides. So it's coming through that. And really, when I say through that, it's actually going into the darkness um, and embracing that. And, and, you know, there's a famous saying that whatever is in the way is the way. Mm. And so, you know, we actually have to go right into the middle of that storm rather than thinking, oh, well, we can just go around the outside and we can avoid it and we don't mm. have to feel bad. We don't have to experience the grief mm. and the sadness of what it is to be human as well as the joy and, you know, and the love and, and all the other wonderful things that make us human. Mm. So going into the eye of the storm in a sense mm. and then coming through that to the light yeah. rather than feeling like, oh, well, let's avoid it and let's medicate ourselves, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate what you're saying and there is... And oh, oh, the other thing about that, sorry, I'm rich. Uh, <laughs> if I might just, um, just mention sure. one other really frightening statistic is that, you know, at the moment it's one in five of us are experiencing a serious mental illness. One in eight of us... Uh, on antidepressants with one in four older adults on antidepressants and many younger people on antidepressants. So that those figures have increased by 95% in the last 15 years. Yeah. And it's estimated that one in two of us will experience a serious mental illness in our lifetimes. Mm -hmm. So we're like in this absolute pandemic 
mm-hmm. mental illness. And it's and, surprising that we don't talk about it as much as we do. Right. Exactly. So we need to talk about that. We need to talk about ways that we can create a community um, and solutions where we can actually find and use our caring nature as human beings. Because at, at heart, I think most of us actually are social animals. Hmm. And when I say that, not social media animals. Yeah. So, yeah. And we want to actually connect with people. We want to touch them. We want to have conversations like the one we're having now that really is meaningful Mm. because that gives us a sense of contribution and connection. The reason why most of, you know, these these statistics are so frightening is that people are feeling more and more disconnected. They don't feel part of anything anymore. They don't feel a sense of meaning and purpose. And they're playing out their lives on social media, but it's unreal. It's not actually anything that's truly meaningful. And so we need to work out what bringing back community and family and a sense of connection is really about Mm. and how we can use ancient wisdom and ancient modalities to bring us back to ourselves and to really connect with, with others and our planet so that we can feel a sense of purpose Mm. (laughs) and service. And service too. Service mm. is also very important. Because it can get very selfish in that social media world. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's um yeah, I think it's really fascinating to see just, you know, the conversation go from creativity through to connection, through to wisdom, and then through to mm-hmm. service. You know, I think it's yes. really now just the narrative that followed that the response that you gave, you know, because it's like, you know, we get creative and I never really sort of looked at it so poignantly, but creating connections, right, is like a, it's like a yeah. form of creativity, right? And so right. you actually create the connections, the connection to the self uh, yeah. and everyone else has that collective yeah. wisdom. And the planet too. Yeah, the planet exactly. is so right now. And so one thing that sticks out for me poignantly in what you were sharing was that, you know, we can, and especially because of my story, um, I'm not sure how much of this I've, I've shared with you, but um, I, when I got diagnosed with depression, I basically, by some grace of God, got given two options, yeah? And one of them was this breathing exercise, which was literally mm-hmm. breathe. And my doctor yeah. gave me that. And my psychologist, she gave me pills. She was just like, here's a, here's a bunch of pills. And um, I remember looking at the breathing exercise and looking at the doctor and going, <laughs> breathing. Like, I've been doing this for, you know, 20 years. I'm good. Like I don't need to breathe more. Like I do this, you know, and I completely dismissed it. And I remember going home, taking my first pill, having an amazing time, legitimately just like, you know, it was basically these, these pills, many of them have uh, synonymous with methamphetamines, right? So you're on a high, right? And you'd get this high, you're amazing for four hours, six hours, and then you crash. And I remember coming on my first crash and I was like, whoa, like what is happening? Like I don't feel, I feel worse than when I first took it. And that moment I realized I looked at the box and I literally just picked up the box and put it in the bin. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I, I can't do this. Like I know that this yeah. was prescribed to me and this is the mental yeah. solution, but this is not the solution because I can't spend yeah. the rest of my life going up and down and up and down and up and down. I'm, I don't believe in this. I don't subscribe to this, you know? And I, I, so I carried on forward without a solution basically, because mind you, I totally like discarded the breathing the minute it got given to me. 
And I remember being in an anxiety provoking environment a couple of weeks away from being diagnosed. And I legitimately had like in my phone, somehow in the back cover of my phone, I had slipped in the breathing exercise facing outwards. And it's interesting. We talk about connection because what I used to do, I didn't realize this, but I would basically call people and just have 30 minute chats with them when I was like feeling tense or something it's like oh i just search for someone i just call them not actively being aware that oh i'm i'm in a i'm in this thing anxious situation i need to call someone that was just my response like i would just be like, oh, yeah, i'll spend and i could easily spend 30 minutes on the phone with someone connecting to them which obviously was facilitating my journey through the anxiety through that connection to a friend or a loved yeah. one but when i pulled out my phone and i saw this breathing exercise on the back of my phone i was just like oh okay and i just tried it i just breathed in one breathed out two breathed in three and it was amazing just feeling everything just soften dissolve and i was just exercising mindfulness but it was my first time ever in the height of my anxiety and depression anxiety are heavily linked like this right yeah. yeah and so it was like a really profound moment for me that that actually was available and so and again mindfulness and meditation exactly what you shared like ancient practices right making a because the you know these challenges that we face throughout time have been addressed before through these amazing modalities, right? Well, that's right. People didn't have an epidemic of anxiety and depression in ancient times, you know. And and as we said in our original conversation, they also sang and danced together mm. um, to ward off their enemies and build strength. So this yeah. is part of our human DNA. And we, if we drop these particular practices. Um, and become so distracted, then we have no centre anymore. It's not surprising that we feel completely overwhelmed and, you know, yeah. anxious. And so in that, like, I'm mindful because you said, you know, those those pills, they, they, they flatten your energies out, you know. Um, because um, then, Not to mention the side effects. Oh, that's like a whole other kettle <laughs> of fish, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, like you're mentioning that these, these pills, yeah. like they, they flatten out your energies. Um, mm. But then there's a whole space of work that you're doing with um, like one of your charities, which you set up with your mm-hmm. husband called Mind Medicine Australia, yeah. which is about that's taking fun. medicines that can then support your journey through the mental health arena. Yes, yeah. Tell more about that. Yeah, so um, my husband, Peter Hunt, and I set up Mind Medicine Australia. We launched it in February and February 2019. So it's, it's, you know, relatively new, but it's really all about making sure that psychedelic medicines, which have been achieving extraordinary results in FDA trials for treatment of treatment-resistant depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder and addiction, Uh, are available to those who are suffering. So at the moment we have the situation where these medicines are classified in Australia as Category 9, which is, you know, of no value and dangerous, which is completely untrue because they're completely Mm non-toxic. So we're talking about particularly the medicine psilocybin, which is the psychoactive component of magic mushrooms, and... MDMA, which are being used in psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy in universities and hospitals all over the world with extraordinary outcomes. Like people are, we're seeing like, you know, 60 to 80% remissions from just two to three doses of these medicines versus potentially a lifetime of antidepressants and all their side effects or a lifetime of psychotherapy, which is 
you know, repetitive and very costly and most people don't stick with it. The other thing about antidepressants is their emission rates are actually very, very low. So as you experienced, their response rate may be, you know, initially high, but then they drop away and people experience a lot of relapse. And for a lot of people, they don't have any remission or response from the antidepressants. So we're seeing that more and more so that people are not getting better, which is why we have these statistics, you know, the statistics that we have at the moment is because people are actually not getting better. Hmm. And um, more and more people are writing to us every day, emails, letters, calling us, just begging us to provide them with these medicines, which of course we can't do at the moment because they're not legal. But um, what we are doing is we're making sure that we can work with the regulators and we can educate and build awareness about these medicines so that people understand how incredibly, um, you know, effective they are in the treatment of, of these illnesses. And what's incredible as well, Amrit, is that we're now seeing these medicines being trialled for not only those common um, mental illnesses, but now they're being trialled for, you know, anorexia and eating disorders, obsessive compulsive disorders, alcohol and smoking addiction, and now early stage dementia as well. Mm. So it's wow. pretty remarkable. And what's important to note, though, is that these medicines have been around since ancient times. And in many cultures, they're used as healing modalities and have been since time immemorial. Mm -hmm. And in the 50s and 60s, over 40,000 patients were treated with psychedelic medicines to heal a whole range of conditions. And they were considered the next big thing in psychiatry. So... Unfortunately, what happened was in 1970, uh, President Nixon was wanting to constrict a whole lot of people into his Vietnam War effort, mm -hmm. and he couldn't attack the blacks and the hippies as a group, so he used the drugs. And by criminalising the medicines, he was able to attack the leaders of the blacks and the hippies um, and and you know, put them in prison and all these sorts of things if they didn't constrict. Right. And unfortunately, you know, all these years later, it's quite ridiculous. Like we're, we're heading into 2020 now, 50 years mm. it's been that these medicines have been suppressed and research funding stopped. Now, fortunately, what's happened now is there's a renaissance mm. of interest in these medicines and we're seeing studies, over 100 trials currently worldwide. Hmm. And these medicines are likely to be prescribable in the next one to two years. Amazing. And so <laughs> I'd love to thank you so much for sharing so much on that um, with such eloquence as well. So one of the questions that arises for me is what was your inspiration behind establishing, like obviously there's all these challenges that we're facing, you know, and mm -hmm. I think there's so many people that can see these challenges, like such as myself, you know, like I can see all these stats to uh, depression and anxiety, which has me traveling around the world, delivering mindfulness seminars, meditation seminars, just because I don't want anybody to have to go through what I went through. You know what I mean? Like no. that's like my key number one focus and hence the inspired evolution does the work that it does. Um, and uh, my, my query then is, you know, like what was your inspirations behind creating such a, 
an amazing charity, right? With such foresight and, you know, such, I'm just going to have to call it bravery, you know, because like you said, it's like, it's not necessarily what is accepted at the moment, but you've taken the courage to then, you know, with the awareness that, you know, this is actually something that can help people. Um, Was there some part of, has there some been, been some part of your journey or Peter's journey that, you know, you've struggled with anxiety yeah. or depression? Uh, well, there's, there's two reasons. One was that um, we have set up four, four other charities before this one between us. And, you know, and, and you can provide programs. And, and, and like you know, one of my, the one we spoke about before, Creativity Australia and the With One Voice program, definitely heals a lot of people mm-hmm. through the singing and the mindfulness that creates. Mm. But at the end of the day, and Peter's set up women's community shelters for homeless women and we've set up other charities as well. Mm. I set up the Song Room, which brings music and arts to disadvantaged children. He's set up, or he's the chairman of So They Can, which is a, another incredible charity that works in, you know, third world countries providing education to very poor people. But at the end of the day, at the base of disadvantage, if you look at it, you can provide all these programs doing all these different things. But if, if at the base a person is suffering from some kind of mental illness or anxiety or trauma, at, that is that is sitting there and it's undealt with. Mm-hmm. So you can do any number of programs, yep. but the person is not necessarily going to heal because you're not dealing with the root cause mm-hmm. of what's making them disadvantaged to begin with. Right. So the program you provide may help them a bit. It might not. It might, you know, but but what they really need is they need healing. Mm. They need to feel whole again. So that was one of the reasons. And the second reason is that, uh, you know, in our own lives, so Peter's father had committed suicide when he was 13. And, you know, you can imagine for any of us out there and suicide is becoming more and more common. Mm-hmm. Um, but back then, you know, it was it was just an absolute tragedy. And as a 13-year-old kid, that's something that's pretty it's hard to read. Lots of process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, back then they didn't have lots of therapy and therapists. Mm. And then my own background, you know, my parents and grandparents are Holocaust survivors. Right. Uh, so, you know, that's a multi-generational trauma that probably – most Jewish people have in their cellular, um, you know. Yeah, their epigenetic makeup. Yeah, that's right. So it is part of our epigenetic makeup. And so we both had things that, you know, we, we had, you know, met and we want, wanted to deepen our relationship. And there were things that were standing in the way, I guess, to some extent. And so we thought, well, what's going to you know, what's good, going to give us the potential to, to even deepen our relationship and, and for us to be of greater service to the world as well. Mm. And so it was just by chance that I was reading a Tim Ferriss blog and, you know, many people out there will know that Tim Ferriss is an incredible supporter of psychedelic therapies and he's gone through his own battles with depression and anxiety. And so I happened to be reading his blog. He said he was investing, you know, significant amounts of money in studies at Imperial College who are one of the leaders in this space around the trials for psychedelic medicines. And so I clicked on the article, which was an article by Michael Pollan, Mm. and it was called The Trip Treatment, and it talked about, you know, how various people had been healed through these medicines. And I read it and I said to Peter, Peter, we really have to try this, you know. And so we were going to Europe that particular year and we managed to well I tried to get us into the medical trials at Imperial College and I could because we're you know rel- you know we don't actually classify as you know 
treatment, resistant depression or whatever it was. And so we ended up finding a private guide and, and so we were able to do this in the Netherlands where, you know, these medicines are legal. And, you know, it was, yeah, absolutely one of the most meaningful experiences in our lives. Wow. It helped us to connect not only more with ourselves, it helped us to connect to one another and others in our families and communities and to the planet and it helped us to we thought, well, we have an obligation to bring these medicines to the world, mm. to make sure that these medicines are available to all the millions of people who are suffering. And we're not the only people that have experienced that. There's many, many philanthropists out there who've actually experienced these medicines and, and there's many philanthropists around the world who are now investing their capital to make sure and, and to make sure that these medicines become available. And this is critical. Like, I mean, many people consider psychedelic medicine as one of the next frontiers for major transformation of humanity. Mm. Um, and, and personally, I believe that these medicines um, are going to be transformational, not just for our mental health, but for helping us to heal the planet in a number of other ways. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's an amazing conversation to be having, and I really respect. You know, thank you for sharing that. You know, there's your story and and Peter's as well in and around that. And um, I think there's, yeah, I think it's it's not lost on me at the moment that you know, like the again, you know, finding your own creative expression and then learning to find service with your creativity is something that you know is really. Um, how do I put this without aggrandizing you? <laughs> but legitimately, you've done an amazing job of like, you know, what is possible with creativity um, and then obviously making that into a service-oriented sort of creativity, right? Like it's been... That's right. And, and that's the beauty, I think, of people finding their unique voice. So when people are able to unleash their creative voice and the full potential of their creative, acknowledging that we are all creative, you know, artists from mm. an early age. And it's all waiting there for us to, to re-unlock it. It's not like, it's not permanently locked away. So our creativity is, a, is an innate part of our humanity, which is unfortunately for many people has been suppressed. So actually interesting study done by an academic called Cobus Needling that showed that three to five-year-olds exhibit 98% creative behaviour, reducing to just 2% by the time we're 25. Wow. So there's all these environmental factors. It can be everything from family, education, to just School, society itself. Education. Yeah, all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So... But it's all waiting for us to unlock our symphonies, our concertos, our recipes. You know, and, and a lot of people think that creativity is, is, you know, a ballet or I'm a poet or I'm a singer or whatever it happens to be. But actually we can express our creativity through so many different ways and it doesn't have to be about art per se. It could be cooking. It could be solving problems is creative. And most people in their jobs solve problems or even in their families. They're solving problems for their children. Um, you know, we could all solve problems for our environment. There's so many ways to be creative. It's not just an artistic thing. But, you know, getting creative and finding your creative voice is much more than 
our singing voice. It's our, our sense of meaning and purpose and service mm. in the world. And once we start to find that creativity, we then start to want to share. Usually, you know, we want to share that, right, and we want to connect with others. Mm. And then we're able to think about, well, how can we be of service? Because if you've got a talent, whatever it happens to be, and we all have a talent, you know, most of us have multiple talents. They're just unexpressed. Mm. And once we find what it is we're truly passionate about through our creative voice, then we're able to also become of service. So when Peter and I first did the plant medicines, we were just doing them for ourselves. It was just for our personal journey effectively because we wanted to actually heal certain broken parts, damaged neural pathways or whatever it was. And the incredible thing about these medicines is that they bypass the default mode network of the brain, reconnecting neural pathways that have been damaged and creating new neural networks. That's called neurogenesis or increased neuroplasticity, which is so important for us as human beings. So with that increased creativity, because, you know, when we're depressed, our neural networks are actually very limited. They're very rigid. We're going around the same loop saying, I'm not good enough. Life's never going to work out for me. I feel ashamed. No one loves me. You know, you know the sorts of, I know you know what it feels like to be depressed. So that we have these rigid, looped thought patterns. Mm -hmm. But when we have the intervention of, say, the psilocybin or it can be the singing or, or the breathing or whatever it is that reconnects our neural pathways, the meditation, then we have our neural networks reconnecting mm. and new ones being grown. Our brain is incredible. Mm -hmm. So when we experienced these medicines, not only did we heal, but we went, well, we have to make sure that these medicines are available to all these people who are suffering. And how are we best going to do that? We're going to set up a charity. Right. And we're going to invest our money and our talents to bring together experts in this field and psychiatrists and doctors and psychologists because we're not doctors. Mm. And we're going to use our talents to set up a charity that is going to make sure that these medicines are available, certainly in Australia, and, you know, now reaching out to the Asia-Pacific because we're now setting up a global summit in November. We're setting up therapist training so that we can make sure that, you know, psychiatrists, doctors, psychologists, drug and alcohol counsellors can learn how to sit with these medicines and sit with others to help heal them. Mm. Um, and, doing, and, and setting up a centre of excellence so that we can further research and develop these medicines and potentially even make them available in Australia through creating a, an agricultural manufacturing facility to make sure that they can be grown in Australia so that we don't have to get them from overseas all the time. So there's all sorts of things that we can do. And it's just once you start to feel like, well, I want to be of service, and by the way, actually, I'm just going back to your, your breathing, your meditation and so on. When I was in my darkest place, which was mm. probably about 12 years ago, so I'm no stranger to feeling depressed or um, down. And I went through a very, very difficult breakup. And I went to India um, with 
with a guru or you know a meditation teacher friend of mine and we worked with a guru in india who was his guru and a huge part of that retreat was not only the meditation yeah we used to sit for hours on a cold stone floor and meditate and we used to watch you know these cows every morning they decorate these cows because the cows were the sacred animal yeah um but we also used to do acts of service every day mm. so whether it was feeding you know like lines of hundreds of people who basically wouldn't have been fed that day so we'd be feeding them on banana leaves with rice or whatever it was we'd be donating our money so that they could get sewing machines to grow sorry to to you know so, to, to we'll grow their own businesses so they could mm. sew um and whatever it was that we did we just it would be a combination of meditation breathing and service every day that mm. i was there and and so by the same token you know whatever it is that is our particular talent you don't and you don't need a talent even you just need to breathe be mindful be present and connect to yourself and others and then you'll find what it is that you are here to serve Mm. become generous yeah i mean this is not just about healing your own you know stuff this is about once you heal your own stuff you're going to want to help other people Mm. i've got a um a bit of a personal question so there are quite a bit of challenges in this space in terms of where you're walking in terms of creating multiple charities right um and you know a serial entrepreneur that is very much your MO. You've created a lot of things. There's, you know, again and again, you know, like, and this is just one example of many of the different ventures that you've created. You've managed to consistently look at um, where most people would potentially see challenge and move towards it and through it. Mm-hmm. I think it is about yourself um, that has helped you on that journey. Look, I think it is, you know, I think it is through my grandparents and my parents. So, you know, the fact that they went through the hardest of times in human history Mm. and were able to survive and sadly, you know, the majority of my relatives didn't survive. Mm. We now have a very small family, whereas we could have had a a large one. And so the fact that they got through that, that they managed to re-establish their lives in Australia starting from nothing and a lot of it was through the art and through the creativity mm. that they were able to do that so my grandparents my grandfather was a, a famous sculptor my grandmother was a painter mm. um an art teacher you know she invented the foldable umbrella my you know my mother also is highly creative and used writing um a lot in her, in her life and also you know being the daughter of a sculptor and artist and keeping their heritage alive through the Dordic studio. I mean, these sort of things are formative for me. Mm. And so they've enabled me to, to be resilient and to bounce back from adversity. And I've seen the power of creativity in their lives Mm. um, to survive. And that's really what's helped me to, set up these charities now and I feel like so blooming lucky to be here. <laughs> yeah. Like this world is, you know, if we're, we're born into a human carnation, you know, if mm. we're here experiencing 
you know, there's there's lots of negatives in the world today, but there's so much beauty still. There is just so much beauty in nature, in just the love between human beings when we can experience that. There's just so much to be grateful for. And so I feel an absolute, like, and it's not a hard obligation. It's like I feel like I, I love giving to other people mm. and helping them to um, feel better and to find their true self. It's brilliant. When I see it in the choirs and feel, see the light come into people's eyes and see them heal, it's magic. When I see people that have gone through these medicine experiences, often very highly conservative people, and look, my husband and I, you know, like husband in particular comes from a very conservative banking background. You know, when you see people going through these medicine journeys and coming out the other end healed, mm. it's like, it's a miracle. Every week in my choirs when I see people who've been healed and then they start giving to other people in the choir because of their own healing, that's transformation right in front of my eyes. Mm. What could be more joyful? <laughs> I love that. The thing that's really settling in for me in this moment is the like, and maybe this is really obvious to some people that are listening in, but for me, it's, is quite a, just the way you're distilling the fact that creativity has the ability to help you combat change, to help you build resilience. The yeah. fact that creativity is a tool for resilience. Yes. Is a yes, very interesting conversation. It is. Well, my grandparents would not have survived without mm. that. There is no question. Like, my grandfather actually um, bribed a border guard to get them the three passages out to Switzerland by sculpting his bust. So if he hadn't uh-huh. had that skill, yeah. he wouldn't have got out. My grandmother, you know, used her creativity, her creative mind and strategic foresight mm. to make sure that all of the art was saved and stored in a Paris you know, basement for decades. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know, it was creativity that has helped me every single time that I've hit a wall in my life. Mm. Write a song, write some lyrics, write some poetry, write in my journal, express how I feel. Yeah. And even creatively coming up with mental models and philosophies that support your existence and your relationship with reality, you know, it can be as existential as you need it to be or as grounded as you said, you know, like sculpting to get your way through border guards. Like it is, yeah, it's quite a profound, that's, sorry, that's a massive takeaway for me. Um, Just sharing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, it is for me as well, actually. I mean, like, yeah, no, it is because, you know, creativity is actually a form of, survival and thriving Mm. so once you once you once you use creativity to survive the hard times then you can then use it to thrive then you can use it to become generous and of service Mm. because once you've got through your hard obstacle and you will get through it and you come out the other end you feel a greater sense of light and purpose and from that place then you can give Mm. to others I love that. And so what's inspiring you in going forward? Obviously there's the charity with yeah. uh, the many charities that you're invested in, mm-hmm. but 2020, what is, you know, where this is uh, a fresh new year that's ahead of us. And a fresh new decade. Yeah. Oh, there's so much to be excited about. Um, what is, what's exciting you the most about what's coming forward? 
Look, yes, I, you know, I'm really excited about Mind Medicine Australia and where we're going with that. It's moving mm-hmm. incredibly fast, which is which is necessary and because there's a lot of suffering out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm excited about that. I'm certainly excited about the With One Voice choirs. We've now got 30 around Australia and we're heading to a target of 40 by the end of 2020. Awesome. So that that's really serving um, a lot of communities and joining the dots for people in those communities to come together and build social cohesion and social inclusion and, you know, weekly miracles through the With One Voice programs and the wish list that I spoke about. Mm. And then um, for me personally, it's about sharing my voice more with the world through my my singing, my speaking. Yes, please. <laughs> Lots of keynotes um, all over the world, lots of concerts and singing. I've just released a new album, which is called The Breezes at Dawn Have Secrets to Tell, which is a wonderful roomy poem, actually. But mm. So it's a, it's a wonderful new album that I've just released literally just this week um, mm. that combines, you know, some of the poetry of Rumi and Khalil Gibran and others oh, with original my favorites. lyrics. And, yeah, lyrics. Yeah. And so I recorded that in... California AA with some with some creative colleagues over there just a few months ago. Awesome. Um, but just, you know, I want to use my creative voice because I often get so caught up in, again, you know, and you can do, you're helping others and setting up these charities and things, but I also need to, to go back to, to Fill that. up your own cup. Yeah, fill yeah. up your own cup. Yeah, it's a deep, yeah. deep, deep lesson, that one. And somehow we only really realise, oh, whoops, we've been <laughs> filling up other people's cup when our cup starts to, yeah. and it's like, oh, whoops. <laughs> yep, 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 yeah. get back, align, align. keep remembering yeah. um, to go back to that and giving myself time and having enough self-care mm. that I'm and self-love that I can go back to what really renews me and restores mm. me and um, is able to also helps me to reinvent all the time. <laughs> That's amazing. And so for those that are tuning in that want to get in touch with you, the best way to do that would be or to find out more about the choirs, to work with my medicine, is it tanyadejong.com or what is the best Uh, place? There's a couple of yeah, so tanyadejong.com, T-A-N-I-A-D-E-J-O-N-G.com. But actually, so two other websites worth looking at is um, www.creativeuniverse.com.au. So that houses a lot of my different enterprises, but then mindmedicineaustralia.org is the other one that I'm sure people will want to go and have a look at and get involved and learn and share this message of inclusion and healing so that we can all find our creative voice. Because, you know, together we can change the world one voice at a time. Oh, Tanya, thank you so much for coming along again, doing this all over again to share your wisdom, your insights and yeah, just, you know, what is possible with creativity. Um, It's really, really potent. It's not just the content. It's also the context in which, you know, you diligently work on to cultivate that message and be able to share that with such profoundness with us all. So thank you so much for all of that and acknowledging not just today, because obviously you've just dropped in, but all the energy and work that it takes to actually build that context to be able to make the content so impactful and empowering for us here today. So thank you so much for your walk. And as always, wishing you the best (laughs) on what's coming up. And uh, And you, and to you and all your listeners. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Find your voice. 
Hey tribe, thanks for tuning in to another fun, enlightening episode of the Inspired Evolution. I've been loving all the feedback and personal stories of love, uh, health and growth. Your feedback and stories are incredibly welcome. The easiest way to connect with me is via my website, which is www.amrit-sandu.com. You can leave me a message or a comment. It's one of my highest values to connect, so I love to connect and love to hear from you. You can also find me on Facebook, Amrit Sandu. And if the content has been resonating with you, you can help the Inspired Evolution out in a big way by liking the YouTube channel, subscribing to the Inspired Evolution, or the Facebook page, like that please, at the Inspired Evolution, or by leaving a review on iTunes if you're on an Apple device. And also, if the Inspired Evolution episodes are inspiring an evolution within you, or you can feel the inspiration is valuable for your team to evolve to the next level, you can head on over to www.amrit-sandu.com to see how the Inspired Evolution can help you and your team thrive. Much love, tribe. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.